go ahead and be seated. Uh, good morning. My name's Clint. I'm one of the pastors here at Village, and it's good to see uh, each and every one of you this morning. I've got a chance to uh, open the Word of God with you this morning, so I'm excited for that. We are going to be, uh, however, taking a little bit of a break from our series that we've been in, going through the book of Joshua. We've had a pretty good long run of that, but uh, this morning we want to talk about uh, the reality that God values good work. God values good work. Now in Joshua we have been seeing, and, and really one of the reasons that we're going through that book is to build up our faith. And in Joshua we see uh, the faith of the Israelites has them doing some pretty extraordinary things. I mean, they're walking into the promised land, they're crossing the Jordan, they're going to war with nations, they're conquering those nations, they're taking all those things under uh, the commands of God. And, and those, I think for a lot of us, would be pretty extraordinary things, right? To, to actually put on armor and go into a place like that. But the reality is our faith must drive us not into the extraordinary only, but into the ordinary. All right. Into the ordinary. And for most of us, if you're like me, the ordinary doesn't get much more ordinary than work. All right. Uh, it, it's I mean, here's the deal. We spend a lot of time doing it. In fact, most of us uh, will spend over a third of our lives total uh, working. I think if you're including profession, which we are talking about this morning in some sense, but, you know, work, there's the reality of being a worker that, that's bigger than just your nine to five or your profession. Being a, a good worker is actually more of a demeanor. It's actually an approach uh, to life that Jesus uh, and, and really faith in him uh, would have us have. And, and God's pleased by uh, that and so faith must drive us into the ordinary uh, to do good work, and that's fundamentally what we're going to be uh, looking at this morning. Now, I do think that in church we do spend a lot of time talking about kind of what might be known as the spiritual disciplines, or people will talk about, uh, you know, their their time with God, their devotional life with God, and those things are very important. It's important to be in God's Word. It's important to be in prayer. It's important uh, to to be spending that time, to be taking that time. But the point or the end of all those things is obviously to honor God, but then also to drive us out into the spheres of life that we're going into. And one of those spheres is work. And so, uh, you know, I think in the past, some of the secular uh, sacred divide uh, that you may have heard or may have, may have put, picked up on uh, through the past or whatever means has really damaged the way that we think about work. And then also the the way then that we actually work. And so uh, I think there's a lot of recovery to be uh, done there. Uh, work is not uh, some less than or even neutral thing that we do that's somehow disconnected from our faith. That could not be the case. Uh, following Jesus uh, drives us into each and every place in life, and it is to motivate and to drive our actions in those spaces. Romans 12 would say that we are to live as what? Living sacrifices. Uh, and we are to work. And part of that, part of our work then is our spiritual worship. 
Okay, and so work is uh, a spiritual thing. And so uh, at the end of the day, this boils down to if you're a Christian, you should be a really good worker. Okay, you should be a really good worker. I would go so far to say as Christians ought to be the best workers. Now, in the climate that we're in today, uh, trust me, you could be a Christian. You could be doing a lot of things well. And because you're a Christian or because uh, you kind of maybe stand against some of the things, you may not be seen as a great employee. Right. But the reality is, if you're honoring God in your work and, you know, you've stood against some of those things, you've opened your mouth when. Uh, and said some things that, you know, don't go uh, the way of the world today, uh, you, you could be rejected for that. But here's the deal. No one's going to throw darts that stick at good work. Good work is objectively recognized, and that is step one for Christians. And so I, I think being good workers really matters. One, it matters because we, we can please God doing it. But two... <laughs> When you look at the sad state of culture, guys, all right, if you've been out and about, if you've been in places, be they restaurants, service places, or you've been buying products, what you've probably noticed is it's, it's pretty sad, okay? It's in a sad state. Uh, you, you may encounter employees who really don't know what they're doing. The, stand, the status quo uh, is no longer being influenced by Christians that really built the, the good uh, work areas and really set the standard and actually were salt and light and influencing the culture for good. That's more or less eroded, and now what you'll find uh, is that's been swallowed up and it's lackluster. Uh, we were on vacation a, a, a few weeks ago and went into kind of an older place, but uh, at the beach and uh, we were getting some water ice and it was just, I mean, the employees were excellent. <laughs> it was like, where are we? Okay. It, it was a refreshing thing. And so I think there's a lot of ground to be taken. If you're one who wants to know how can we fight in this war right now? Uh, it, with, how can we participate in the culture war? Fundamentally, it's a lot of it's getting back to the basics and getting back to work is one of those uh, ways that you can do that. So number one this morning, it's important for us to understand that you were made to work. You were made to work. Now, uh, to get back to the fundamentals, that means that you got to get back to the beginning. OK, you got to get back to the beginning. The temptation, if you've ever suggested uh, that you need to get back to the fundamentals with your kids or if you ever coach sports or been on a team, getting back to the fundamentals is what everyone hates doing. Okay. No one wants to go back. We always say, Oh yeah, we, we already know that. We already know that we don't need to, we don't need to get back to that. But the re the reality is the fundamentals here are the very things that ought to be clarifying. And if you're paying attention to the world, we desperately need clarification that actually is there from God. And so we don't need to pretend that it's not there. And Getting back to the fundamentals is actually refreshing, okay? It should be uh, refreshing. So uh, besides the fundamental question that comes up a lot of times when we need to go back to the fundamentals, besides the question, what is a man, which again, no, a lot of trouble answering that question in the culture today, is the question of what is man for? What is man for? And I think that's, that's obviously a question of purpose, but it's a, it's a question obviously to think about, but it's one that our Lord actually gives us the answer to. And he not only gives the answer to it, he actually expects us to live uh, knowing 
that he's given us actual work to do. And so it's important to, to see that. Genesis 1, 27, 28 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And then also in Genesis 2, 15, there it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it. Okay. So the Lord creates, he makes all that there is to the power of his voice. And then he puts man in there. He designs man a particular way. He makes him in his image. He's given him the abilities and gifts to do what he wants them to do. Okay. Uh, and so we see that human beings are actually built for a purpose, and fundamentally, that purpose is to work, okay? That purpose is to work. In fact, the reality that we're made in His image uh, means that we are to imitate Him, okay? And one of the reasons, or one of the ways that we do that is, of course, by working. Um, God works. Uh, do we know that? God created the world. That was a lot of work, and God is still working the world to His end, to His purpose. And so we are to actually work uh, there. I think when we look at the Genesis narrative and a lot of discussion revolves around uh, resting and the Sabbath and whatnot. But the reality is, I think we forget that God worked six days. OK, so he expects us to work quite a bit and rest obviously is important. But hey, man, we're we're here to work. OK, we, we've got to get that straight. So uh, we shouldn't hate work. We have to receive work as a gift from God. Uh, if he gave it to us, we know that it's a good thing uh, and that actually carrying it out is for our own good. And it's obviously for his glory. And in creation, God worked up a garden and a globe, and he said, work and keep that garden and then go expand. He said, continue that work that I've started, go out, subdue the creation and rule it. Now, that's a lot of work. And in reality, we're still at that. OK, uh, this isn't some visionary history detached from human history. This is reality. OK, and so we are still at that. Human beings are still at that. Obviously, it's gone astray and we'll talk about that. But just simply put, we need to work. And so when we think about work, uh, we need to dash the false maybe perceptions that we've accumulated, either from the culture or from our own selves, uh, that, that are things like this. We, we don't simply work uh, just because we need something to do. OK, we need something to fill our lives. It's not the reason uh, that we work. It's not solely because we need a paycheck, although uh, you, you do need a paycheck. And so that's a good thing. We'll talk about that. But uh, we aren't just working for the weekend. I know some of you love that song, probably uh, working for the weekend. But that's not we're not working for leisure. OK, all of your life doesn't exist so that you can do whatever you want on the weekend or in your leisure time. Leisure actually exists for what? To drive us back into work. OK, so uh, and also to 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 drive us back to God. But um, so so that's a reality. We aren't just making a name for ourselves. OK, much of the world will work uh, to make a name for themselves. And we should try to build a good reputation. The Proverbs would point us into that into that direction. We ought to do that. Uh, but the world s simply is working to make a name for themselves. 
Okay, uh, primarily it's not about making a name for God like Christians ought to work for. It's about making a name for themselves, nor do we work in some random cyclical world. Guys, the, the, the world is going somewhere. God's taking the world somewhere, and that's good news. And so we can find meaning and purpose and actually understand that our work is contributing to what he's doing in history. Uh, if you're not a Christian, you, you don't believe that. You believe we're just here and we may as well do something. Uh, even if you're a, a real secularist, a humanist, and you want to believe that this is all heading somewhere that matters, deep down, if you've really tested those questions, you know that it, there's no meaning to be found. Okay, We may accomplish a lot of it, but it's not going to actually have any meaning. That's a secular idea. We don't want those things driving us when we think about work. So functionally, God put us here to work. Guys, all work has dignity and value. He's given it, whether you're, uh, you know, working on construction site, whether regardless of your job, regardless of the status of it, if it's lawful thing for you to do under the laws of God, then it has real dignity and value. And you should take uh, pride in it. You should receive it as a gift from God uh, and you ought to. Uh, do it well. Um, so fundamentally, uh, one must understand that it, it is okay as a Christian to enjoy work. Okay, uh, you may have been told a thousand times not to be a workaholic. Work doesn't matter. Work's gonna, you know, it's a separate part of your life. It doesn't really matter. Or maybe even you've thought, well, the real work is done by ministers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists, all those things. My work doesn't really matter. That's just fundamentally not true. Okay, get back to the fundamentals. Uh, it's okay to enjoy work. You're actually designed to do it. Another, another thing that I think is important to point out is that work actually is part of our identity. Okay, uh, many times, uh, at least for a while, you'd hear somebody say, well, you know, who are you? And they talk about your identity. And it was like if you mentioned work, it was it was like, what? You can't. I'm not asking what you do. I'm asking who you are. Okay, you're a human being made in the image of God. And so fundamentally, work is part of your identity. It's that's OK. Um, now. When we when we're talking about this, this all sounds good so far, but all of you uh, presumably have done some work in your life and you know that this sounds too good to be true. It doesn't really go uh, this way. And of course, that's because sin does enter the world and God did curse man, uh, woman in the ground. Genesis 3, 17, 19 says this. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it. You were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now, guys, the summary of this is you're going to bust your butt and then you're going to die. All right. That, like uh, James was asking what to read before the sermon today. And if we just read this, if this was the picture of the uh, you thought that this was the sum total message of the Bible, this is not good news. OK, uh, but the reality is we do have to understand it. OK, so we have to understand that God's design is good. Sin has entered into 
of the world. And so work is good, but do understand that work is hard. You need to have that expectation. I don't think I need to make the case that, you know, if you work, what can go wrong will go wrong. Okay. Why? Because the ground's cursed. Okay. Uh, You know, what grows in your garden really easy? The stuff you don't want, weeds. What grows really hard and slow? actual stuff that you want guys that's cause of the curse and so we ought to have an expectation that work's not going to be easy okay so it is going to take some grit and christians ought to have uh grit now uh, it is easy to see then why we're tempted towards laziness. All of us as humans, we are, if we're honest, a little bit lazy, at least even the, the most hardworking amongst us would say that we laziness is at least a temptation. Uh, and we do seek to avoid work. And uh, again, the culture is doing a phenomenal job at that for the most part. Uh, but just because it's hard, we don't want to forget God's good design. Now, in the New Testament, it makes it abundantly clear that we are to work. Uh, look at First Timothy. First Timothy, rather five eight. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. Guys, men in particular must work and must provide for their families. It's part of the reason that they work. That's how God has rigged the whole thing, and so that is the way forward. To not work is unchristian. There's little more if you're a Christian that could be said worse of you. Uh, other than you're as if you're an unbeliever. Okay, that's not uh, a good thing to be known for. And so we've got to work to provide for our families. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says this, For even when we were with you, uh, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let them not eat. So again, work is essential. Uh, work, one of the purposes of it, as God's designed, is to earn uh, wages and to provide for families. Just because it's hard... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, work is essential. So essential that severe discipline should be taken to push the lazy into action. So uh, we, we do understand then that if you're a Christian, God has saved you by grace through faith. And guys, get this. We say this around here a lot of the time, but it definitely applies. And don't think it just applies to, quote, good works or as if it's things that you do that are that are only, quote, you know, the spiritual things. Um, grace is free from God, but it's never free of works. Grace works. Grace should always lead to good work. Okay, grace should always lead to good work. Grace works. Grace is opposed to earning the favor of God, but grace is never opposed to effort. Okay, if you've received the grace of God, you have more motivation to apply more effort than somebody who has not. Okay, and so, you know, as a Christian, uh, it's not only important that we understand that we are called to work, but then also that we need to be good workers. Okay, we need to be good workers. The grace of God changes us, right? Christians must be good workers. If you've been changed by Christ, then that must come out into every area of of your life. And work is, again, it's what we do. (laughs) Okay, if it's not going to come out there, where where is it going to come out? Uh, Christians 
should be the best employees. I think this, this, I mean two things by that. We ought to be good in our character, okay? So the type of employee that you are, it, it ought to be, you ought to be uh, a good employee. You should be on time. You should be diligent. You should be cheerful. You should be honest. You should be seeking the good of the business, Okay? We all know what a good employee looks like. Uh, we also know that it's not always easy to be one. And especially, of course, there's hard situations. Uh, but never, nevertheless, uh, we're to work unto the Lord. The other thing is the quality of your service and goods actually should be good. Okay? It, it actually should be good. Uh, because good work honors God. You should be honest about that and seek to provide something, somebody with what you're uh, selling them. So, uh, the status quo, again, in our culture is pretty low. It's pretty low. Uh, that's why there's room here for us to take ground back. Now, if you remember, um, you know, a lot of the things that woke ideology and leftist ideology and those things, they've really attacked. Uh, one of the things that they have attacked is the Protestant work ethic. OK, again, where did the work ethic that really built a society, where did that come from? Well, a lot of it came from Christians and Christians influencing the culture. And so that's been dismantled. That's been attacked. And obviously now we're seeing some of the fruits of that. But the way back is, you know, it's not complicated. It's working. <laughs> OK, so uh, a good way to be a witness is to simply uh, work hard. Um, that's always going to adorn the gospel message. Okay? If you're not a good worker, why is anyone going to care about what you have to say about anything? It, it's just common sense. It's the reality. It's way, the way things works. In Colossians 3, 22 through 24, here's what it says. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service or as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Fundamentally, guys, in the garden, we see this. Who's man work for? Work, we work for God. That really hasn't changed. Obviously, you may have a, a, a boss. You may be a boss. Uh, but the reality is Paul's directing us here not to necessarily work for man or not to necessarily appear to be working for man or not to do what a lot of people do. And you guys have all seen them in your workplaces, probably uh, just log hours or seek to get through or do the minimum not to get fired. We're there to what? Honor God in our work. And so we ought to seek that. So the question is, is that how you think about work? Is that somewhere in your mind and in your heart as you go through the work day? It's a lot of time, hours that we're spending there. So you got to be a good worker. Um, now, uh, God hasn't been silent on this. God gives us the wisdom to know how to become a good worker. You don't necessarily need to go buy a self-help book or uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, 10 action items to get you uh, to be the best worker. But you do need to pay attention to what he says. And he does give us good wisdom in the scripture. And so let's turn to some of that and look at a few principles that um, you could take to heart. And I think it would have a great effect on your life if you're able to actually uh, implore them. Uh, look at what he says in Proverbs 6, 6, 11. Uh, there he says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise without having any chief 
officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. God's addressing the sluggard here. Now, sluggards uh, are lazy in the scripture, at least in the Proverbs. You really have three options. Uh, you guys can judge yourselves on where you fit in here, but you could be the diligent. Okay. You could be a sluggard or a sloth, uh, or you could be a fool. <laughs> Those are the options. So the diligent there is what God is driving us to be. It's what he wants us to be. Uh, sluggards, as Matthew Henry puts it, love ease. They love idleness. They mind no business. They stick to nothing. Uh, they bring nothing to pass. And in a particular manner, they're careless in the business of religion. Okay, uh, so sluggers are not what we need to be. However, uh, a lot of times that's kind of the default mode of sinners. That's what they're going to be. Not all of them, but a good chunk of them. Um, now, God says, hey, you need instruction? I've got a plan for you. Okay, you don't need 10 reasons for this. You need to go watch some ants. All right. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever actually spent time watching ants. I think when you see them, you know, it's like, where's the raid? Uh, how do we get rid of them? You don't want to see them. In fact, when we were on vacation, somehow that place was infested with ants and uh, somehow they got in the van and it was crazy. It was like they're everywhere. It's like, how did this happen so quickly? All right. But they fi they filled themselves in the van took over the van over one night and uh, it was it was uh, time to find some traps. But um, anyway, ants work. And uh, here uh, they're to be our model. We're to observe them. We're to consider what they do and we're to go and do likewise. So here's a few uh, crucial keys to becoming a good worker. Uh, one, to be a good worker is to be a self starter. Look at what he says there. It says the ant doesn't have somebody micromanaging them or telling them what to do. They, they're already what? They're already out of bed. They're already at work. OK, uh, to be a good worker, you've got to be a self starter. It's the first step uh, to actually being a good worker. And it's actually the, uh, a really a key step. OK, and the reason for that is you're taking ownership of what you're doing. OK, you're not needing somebody to go tell you what to do. Now, obviously, if you're an employee, sometimes it's appropriate to be, you know, you want to respect your boss and you're actually the scripture calls you to that. And so you should seek to obey them uh, in everything lawful. But the reality is when it just comes to work, you ought to be a self-starter. You ought to be taking initiative. Uh, parents, think about it this way. Do you want your kids uh, to clean their rooms or do you want them to be told to clean their room for the rest of their life? Okay. And you can apply that to anything. Okay. The reality is you want them to take the initiative to go and do it because what are they after then? They actually care about their room being clean, and so they're going to work harder for it. Okay? If you tell them to, what are they going to do? The minimum. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, inspection time. Yeah, what's all this stuff? Okay? That's tend that tends to be how that's going to go. Uh, but... The, the ant has his mind uh, fixed that he has a goal and he's going after it. To be a good worker, you've got to plan and execute. You've got to have a plan and execute. We say, even when we talk about discipleship, 
uh, here at Village, you've got to have a plan. Uh, if you don't have a plan, uh, it, the, the chances of you actually achieving something that's worth achieving is going to be fairly minimal. Okay, It's probably uh, not going to happen. The ant's actually working in the present with his eye on the future. Work today matters for abundance tomorrow. That's the way the world is. Work over time matters. It'll bear fruit for good or bad. If you've been working, you can expect that in general things are going to go well. It doesn't always happen. But the reality is if you've not been working and you wake up and it's test day, you have a problem. You don't have time to go back and re-raise your children in three days. Okay, It's not going to work. Time, work over time matters. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You know, Obviously, it's important to live in the moment, and we must do that, but in order for you to really know what you should be doing each day, you have to have a bigger goal. You have to have an overarching goal to know that, hey, what I'm doing today is actually going to matter. Okay, you can do plenty of stuff during the day, but if it's not working toward one thing, it's not really going to necessarily matter uh, or be what it could have been. And we don't want to settle for less than. So, um, you know, one uh, author that I've looked at recently actually recommends that uh, people have goals in actually five categories. You should have a goal in a you should have goals in the spiritual category. You should have goals about growing in discipleship. How are you gaining knowledge uh, of your discipleship? Um, you should have physical goals. These things aren't to be ignored. Uh, you 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 ought to consider that. Paul says that even that has some value. It doesn't have ultimate value, but it does have some value. If you're undisciplined disciplined there, you're going to be undisciplined somewhere else. You can apply the same to uh, a diet. Economical goals. You ought to have financial goals. You ought to be working towards uh, things. Vocational goals. Uh, you might need some more training to advance in your career, and you should be ambitious. You should seek to do that if, if it's something that you can do. Um, maybe you want to start an own business. Maybe you want to get your home more productive. You need to have actual goals uh, in order to achieve that, because it's going to take time. It's not going to just happen. Uh, you should have relational goals that apply to your marriage, to your children. Okay, The power of putting pen on paper is actually going to hold you and motivate you to do something. Again, work over time matters. And then to be a good worker, you do need to develop your skills. You do need to get more skilled. Okay. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says this, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You know, just as we continuously grow as followers of Jesus into the image of Christ, like that's a real thing that Christians need to be focused on. We need to be focused on and growing in the image of Christ. You do need to be developing your skills in other areas of your life. Okay, again, here's the idea. Grace works. Grace is opposed to earning the favor of God, but if God has freely given you his favor through the work of your son, then grace will work and it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. We'll exhibit the fruits of the Spirit and those will be shown in the things that we then do. Now, um, so uh, it, it is important that we be good workers. But then number three this morning, it is important that 
Uh, we actually work for what matters, okay? We actually work for what matters. The reality of this world is that people can be great workers. You know, they can work their whole life. They can, and, and you know, we see this all the time in non-Christians. If you look back through history, you know, non-Christians, uh, folks who uh, essentially have uh, maybe been very skilled learners, maybe they've actually mastered quite a bit and accomplished quite a bit in this world. But the reality is they've actually been going after the wrong things and oftentimes for the wrong reasons, right? The Bible warns against this constantly. What good is it to gain the world and lose your own soul? Uh, Jesus would implore us not to lay up treasures on earth, but where? Lay them up in heaven. Uh, when we look at the Tower of Babel, what do you see there? You see human ingenuity. You see humans working together, uh, not under the, the authority of God, but rebelling against the authority of God and trying to make what? A name for themselves. I'm sure that they had a lot of good workers and they figured out a lot of good things just from natural revelation. But it was all for nothing. OK, so one quote. Uh, from D.L. Moody kind of summarizes this. It says, our greatest fear uh, should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Uh, at the end of the day, a life not centered on God and ordered the way that he would have it ordered uh, will largely be for nothing. Proverbs 12, 11, uh, warns us of this when it says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. There are worthless pursuits in this world. Okay, I do believe that you can glorify God in everything that you do. But if your life is not ordered the way that God would have you order it with him at the center and everything working its way out from there, friend, you may be doing a lot of things that aren't necessarily bad things, but they're at the end of the day worthless. They're not going to get you the harvest that you want, the eternal harvest. They're not going to uh, get you the Christian kids that you want. They're not going to result in you leaving a legacy of making disciples. They may result in other things, maybe some good things, but we've got to work hard for the things that matter. And that's not really a question. If Jesus has redeemed you and your life exists for him, you must labor with him, not only in the general work of, you know, what we've seen through Genesis. You, you do need to work hard in that, but you also must labor in his redemptive work. Jesus has not only created the world, we've seen it fall into sin, but Jesus is actually redeeming the world. And he calls us to actually live as his uh, people who are seeking uh, to expand the kingdom. And so we must work at making disciples. So what should we work hard at? I'm going to close with two things that I think we really need to work hard at. I think they're fundamental things. I think they're not flashy, but they are the reality. Uh, Jesus says, hey, you need to work hard in these areas. And so we need to work hard in those areas. And those areas are simply the home and the church, the home and the church. I've already talked a lot about uh, things outside that is important, but you need to be working in the home and the church. And so uh, you need to be working hard on your marriage. Uh, you know, whether you're younger, whether you've been married for a while, whether you've been married many years, there's always work to be done to grow your marriage, to, to make it better, to make it more than what it could be. Again, we've caught way too much of the cultural drift of just settling for okay. Okay. God's design is good for it, and he has a lot of blessings in it if we're willing to put the work in. But do understand that it takes work. 
Okay, you must be cultivating your marriage if you want it to be uh, the delight that it can be. Uh, and so are you cultivating it? Are you working and keeping it? Are you working on that garden? Just like a garden, if you let it go, it's going to get covered in weeds and it's not going to bear any good fruit. Are you working on that? That may not come natural to you guys in particular. It may not come natural to you. You know what might come natural to you? All the work that you do outside the home and good, be ambitious at that, but do not neglect your work at home. Uh, you need to uh, get better there. Raising children, Ephesians 6, 4, for the fathers, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, fathers, you're specifically charged to disciple uh, your children. Uh, I'm going to tell you that takes a lot of work. Okay, it takes a lot of work. It takes intentional. It takes planning. It takes execution. All the things that we've actually talked about. And you're I mean, I am telling you to do it this morning and we often are going to tell you to do it. But you need to be a self starter there. You need to own it. Okay, you need to have your heart and your very being behind it. If you want a worthy harvest and to keep your kids, you're going to have to uh, do the, the work that Jesus calls you to do. And obviously, um, pray. Uh, and so if you don't have time for this, guys, if you're if your heart's not there, if you're if you're not actually expending any of the energy God's given it given to you to actually be on that job site, then your life's out of order somewhere. Obviously, we have to work hard. There are seasons where we work harder than other seasons. You may have less time at some time. But if you do not get caught in a pattern of that, OK, because you'll wake up five, ten years later and it'll be too late. Make sure that you're working uh, day in and day out on that. Uh, Titus 2, 3, 5 says this. Um, it says uh, they are to teach what is good. Speaking of women, they are to teach what is good. And so train young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Wives, mothers, you need to make sure that you're prioritizing all of your inner or a lot of your energy and those things towards the home, towards running the home. That's what you're to focus on. There's many other things that you can do, but you need to make sure that your priorities are there. You need to make sure that you're pouring yourself into that. Is your heart and attention rightly ordered? And if it is, that will be uh, a big part of it. Uh, number three, make disciples. Ephesians 4, 11, 12 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints of saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Now, we need to work hard at ministry, too. We need to work hard at making disciples. That's hard work. And here, notice, of course, that, you know, the job of pastors, the job of shepherds is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means you are to be at work as a Christian, doing ministry, helping others become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Are you pouring yourself into that? Are you applying? Maybe you have a lot of skills. Maybe God's blessed you in that way, and you're applying them to a lot of places. But not that. Maybe that's nowhere on your radar. Why is that? You need to consider, is your life out of order? Is there something that's keeping you from doing that or having the ability to do that? You need to think about that and work hard for the things that matters. Application points this morning. Real simple. Basically what we have said. 
Uh, number one, work to please God. Work to please God. God put us here on this earth to work primarily for him, to him. And so that has uh, that, that's a blessing. That's a good thing. You don't uh, ever want to hate work. Uh, you can hate the fact that work's hard, uh, but do not hate work. Receive it as a blessing and seek to honor God in all that you work on. Uh, number two, become a good worker. Become a good worker. Uh, where you're at isn't where you need to stay. Uh, if you, there is wisdom to be had out there, God gives us wisdom. The only question is, are we going to seek it? Are we going to try to get better. Again, um, grace is opposed to earning it, but grace is not opposed to effort. You need to make the effort. It's worth it. Number three, work for what matters. Work for what matters. Uh, the things that matter are the things that are going to last for eternity. And so we need to make sure that we're putting all of our force, our energy, our hearts uh, in your life behind those purposes. Make sure you're working redemptively um, on the, with Jesus on his mission. Friends, this is the way. This is the way. It's simple. It's not complicated. Uh, and Christians have a lot to gain, not only for kind of rebuilding uh, ourselves and rebuilding society, but for honoring God. There's a lot uh, here. We need to take it.